Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with, uh, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. All right, once a week we get to talk Suns basketball with our Suns guru from ArizonaSports.com, Kellen Olson. You can read his work at ArizonaSports.com, including his recap of last night's big win over the Charlotte Hornets. As always, welcome Kellen into the show, and, and let's start with the news, the injury news that's the latest. Apparently the Suns have told everybody, A, Devin Booker will be reevaluated a week from now, and B, in news that just came out, DeAndre Ayton is probable for tomorrow's game. I know Gambo had that yesterday, so Suggesting that Aiton would be back for the Mavs. What do you know about Book and kind of what one week holds in store for us? Yeah, it seems like Book is making the kind of progress you would want to see out of him at this point. I think the main things that uh, us people following the team every day get to see, uh, Suns aren't very privy to sharing new uh, information when it comes to injuries and such and progressions and timelines and things like that. They will just typically say the same thing we're used to hearing, which is that they're progressing, they're making the right steps and all that kind of stuff. But with Book especially, it's just been good to see him after practice, after shoot around, getting shots up. I think the steps for him in the boxes left to check, as Monty Williams put it, are, are playing through contact now. And it's just a matter of when he can get there. But what we know about this injury, Burnsy, is that they want to be extremely cautious with it because this is already something that he re-aggravated once. So I'm, you guys know this better than me. If you re-aggravate it again, you're really in trouble. So they got to be extra, extra careful here because one more re-aggravation here and then, and then not only would, would his season be over, but the team season would be over. So you cannot be cautious enough with when he comes back. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's the thing because he did. He you know he came back on Christmas Day, reaggravated that. He's been out for a while. The DeAndre Ayton thing, I know a lot of people are speculating. Are they trading him? What's going on? My my understanding was he was just sick. You know, it's just, it's it's not COVID, but it's the flu's going around. He's just been sick. I was told expect him back for the Dallas game, and it does look like he will be available for the Dallas game. In the meantime, well, I'll tell you, they've done a hell of a job without him. Like they they win basketball games without him. Jacques Landale and, and Bismack Biombo and Dario, his ability to play the four and the five. I think the Suns got to be very happy with how they play when their big man is out of the lineup. Yeah, they've been phenomenal. I would love to hear Burnsy's take on this in terms of who he thinks of all the way back when you think about all-time shot blockers for the, for the Suns. I know Biz is a guy who comes off the bench and he, he hasn't had a role here for many years, but in terms of just guys I've seen and their ability to block the ball wall in a Suns jersey, he's one of the best that I've ever seen. He's phenomenal. He had that one with his left hand last night where it seemed like McDaniels was swooping around him and had his footwork there and Biz just timed the block perfectly and he's so long. That's what Money talked about last night is he, he's 6'8", playing with 6'11", 7-foot guys, but Biz's arms, I think he's like 7'4", wingspan or something. He's he's phenomenal down there and then seeing Dario move the way that he has in the last couple of games and the last couple of weeks has been refreshing as well. They've just been able to really pick up where they left off in terms of the productivity that they're getting at that center spot, but they will certainly welcome back to 
DeAndre and just the gravity that he brings in. He had that type of flute thing last year, Gambo. Yeah, I mean, it's just sick. It, He's just sick. There was nothing more agree? to it. He, you know, he should be back for the Dallas game, was what I was told. I reported that yesterday. Sean Marion comes to mind for me. That's a good call. I don't, I don't go back to the, the earlier guys, Burnsy would, but to me, that Sean Marion was a tremendous shot blocker because he had an incredible ability to jump and then re-jump. And so I don't know where he is on the list, but I know Sean Marion was a, he had a lot of block shots in his career with the Suns. Okay. I cheated, so I looked up the list. All right, all-time blocks leaders in the history of the Suns. I know who's coming. Yep, Larry Nance is number one. In terms, this is blocks per game. Uh, this isn't total blocks. Larry Nance is number one. Oliver Miller is number two. Oliver Miller, the is name number two? I would. Uh, Oliver, in terms of blocks per game, one point nine one. If you're going total blocks, it looks like That's where Mark West yeah, starts Mark to come up. West right? yeah. is number two. Sean Marion is number three. There it is. The Matrix. Um, I'd say the guy I think of is, and he's totally different than Bismack Biombo. I think of Antonio McDice. Yeah. When I think of sh- shot blockers for the Suns, man, McDice could just fly. He could just fly. Yeah, just a few days ago, I think it was the anniversary or, or something when they when they Denver locked him in the room. Oh, or, my gosh. I saw something about that the other day somewhere. That's when Denver locked him in. They wouldn't let him come out. That's a 30 for 30 short. That deserves some recognition. That was a crazy Oh, totally. Thing. Yeah, 100%. Thing. But yeah, th- so that's the blocks per game. If you go total blocks, like I say, it's, it's Sean Marion's number three, um, but Antonio McDice is the name that comes to me to I'd, my mind. I had one more thing here, Bernsey Gambo. Can you agree that the most overblown thing in the world is the classic, oh, this guy's out sick in January, that must mean he's getting traded thing? It's the most overblown. Oh, yeah, everyone always theorizes, like, that is, That doesn't happen. It's not I, even a thing that happens. I was asked so many times about that, and I finally just checked on it, like, he's sick. He's yeah. sick. That's it. He's sick. It's There's something going around. It's the, Bernsey's working from home. He's sick. Like, it's... If you're in the back Valley right now, you probably know someone who is sick right now, who has a cold yeah, or the flu. It's been going it. around like crazy the last that's month. It, that he well, no, I, I I want to announce to you guys, I've been traded to a country radio station. Oh, I'm, man. I'm, I'm breaking the news right now. I've, I've been, I'm going to yeah. be the new morning DJ. Oh, see, no, your partner. Promenade. <laughs> uh, can, I've been can traded. You me, can you get me Morgan Wallen tickets? <laughs> I'll see what I can. Well, yeah, if I'm going to be a DJ over there, yeah, I'll see can what I can do. Give me some tickets but, from Morgan uh, Wallen for my wife. You know, I feed right into this controversy. I am not sick. I am actually working on a trade right now. I'm, tr- I'm sending myself to a country station here in town. Sorry. Hate to say that. Yeah, that restriction um, for agency didn't go so well for you. Uh, no, no. Sorry no, about that. The, the offer sheets weren't coming in the way I wanted to, <laughs> so I demanded a trade, and, and I got what I needed. Um, the, I, I'm not... I'm not deliberately gravitating towards Dario, though I have an inclination to do that. But we have seen, Kellen, this rotation of guys, whether it's Damian Lee, whether it's Josh Okoge. It seems like Dario Saric is now kind of the flavor of the week or flavor of the day, if you will. How many of these guys, when everybody comes back, and hopefully knock on wood, everybody stays back, how many of these guys become useful functioning parts of this team for the final 30 games of the season. Is Dario one of those guys? Is Josh one of those guys? How do you see this working, assuming, knock on wood, everybody comes back? Yeah, I, I know Suns fans are really excited to see this team at full strength and, and healthy, and, and rightfully so, but for me, uh, the basketball observer, I'm really excited to just see the choices that are there for Monty Williams, because I, I think two guys specifically, so you look at the starting five that this team has, right, and then the first two guys off the bench we expect to see are our campaign in 
Torrey Craig. From there, you've got the backup center spot, which now it seems like three guys are up for. Biombo, Landale, and Sarge has to be under consideration. Monty mentioned last night how his associate head coach Kevin Young has been on him about wanting to play Dario at the five more. They haven't been able to do that that much. We haven't seen Dario at the five, but it's being talked about in, in their coaches' meetings at least. And then you look at the wing and the, and the guard spots, and you wonder where I think a guy like Damian Lee has to be in their rotation, in their playoff rotation. I think he has been consistently one of their three or four best players this year over the course of the year, not to mention the shooting, but just everything that he does off the ball, on the ball from a team standpoint. He's in there. And then Burnsy, isn't Josh Akogi the prototypical he will swing a playoff game guy just with his energy? He just comes in for 19 minutes, has three blocks, two steals, and you're like, man, remember in the second quarter when Akogi came in, that's when the game changed. Feels like he's one of those guys too. Uh, But at the end of the day, this is a team we've talked about needing upgrades at spots for for multiple reasons. We, we've talked about how, how they need to upgrade the roster, and at the same time, they've got these guys on the back half of the bench who deserve playing time as well. It's a good problem well, for them to have. Listen, it's one of the biggest misconceptions in the NBA is that the mid, the guy you can get for the mid-level exception is better than the guy you can get for the veterans minimum. It's not true. It's just not true. Some of the biggest mistakes and wasted money are guys that you that you give the mid-level exception to, the guys that are getting 5 or $6 million, because there's plenty of guys that you could, you could get for 1.7, 1.8 that are just as good, if not better. And uh, they've done a good job. I mean, Akoji, you know, can never get. We had a hard time staying on the court in Minnesota because he couldn't shoot. Like he just couldn't shoot, and he's not a great shooter. But he's been impacting the game defensively. He had an unbelievable offensive game the other night. We made a whole bunch of free throws, so he's been a pleasant surprise for the Suns. Yeah, he he really has been Gambo, and I just wonder where their rotations lie in a month's time. I, I'm really curious to see. And look, Payne and Craig is it to the point where their minutes could be up for grabs for some of those guys who have really shown out. The way that those guys have been playing in the last couple of games, last couple of weeks, has been really encouraging. All right, that uh, Kellen. As always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for swinging by for a few minutes. Of course, as always, you can read Kellen's stuff at ArizonaSports.com. Hear him on the Empire of the Suns podcast as well, along with Kevin Zimmerman. It's appreciated, Kellen. Thank you for your time, man. Thank you, Burnsy. A new episode up of Empire of the Suns, and I got a Mikel Bridges story I want everyone to read. That'll be out in about an hour. So sorry, I had to do the fantastic. Podcast. There you go. Plug yeah, away. No, fine. Plug, Plug away. away, my friend. Plug away. ArizonaSports.com is where you can find all of that. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl Fifty Seven. It is coming in Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports all want you to be there in person. So text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th. And you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl plus you will also win tickets to the following big time events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest and the Super Bowl Experience. So once again text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access is presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. 1.0 Mel Kuyper Jr., his first mock draft of the season this morning. Who does he have the Cardinals taking at number three? We'll take you to Mel Kuyper's 1.0 mock next on the Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Great worker, a tremendous passion for the game, never quits on a play, whether it's a run, whether it's going after the quarterback, coverage sacks, he's going to get after it. He's going to make that offensive tackle work and concentrate and focus for the entire game. Because if that offensive tackle takes a play or two off and is distracted by whatever, he's going to beat you. That is the voice of Mel Kuyper Jr., I would assume. 
that he is talking about the Alabama defensive end outside linebacker Will Anderson Jr. because he, Gambo, is the player that he is projecting the Cardinals to take in his first mock draft of the mock draft season for Mel Kuyper Jr. It's always a big event here on the Burns and Gambo show when Kuyper comes out with his first one because it's the one, yeah. if I remember right in particular, that you want to like save a copy of to see how much changes over the next four months, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I do love the first one. I always hold on to the first one. I do remember one, one time, I think he had Robert Incomdici as the number one overall pick in the draft. True, yeah, yes. he did. And then he fell all the way down. Um, look, Will Anderson, I mean, he, he mentions it, had over 54 tackles for a loss the past two seasons, dominated offensive tackles in the run game in the past game, unblockable against SEC competition, losing J.J. Watt, can move him around a little bit. But what I like about the mock draft, and I just love looking at this, and I know you do too, the quarterbacks. Well, he's got C.J. Stroud going number two to Houston. And the reason he's got the Cardinals taking Will Anderson because he's got Jalen Carter going to Georgia at number one. He doesn't right. think that the Bears will pass on that. Then the Texans take a quarterback in C.J. Stroud. But that does leave two quarterbacks still on the board when the Cardinals are picking. Indianapolis at four going Bryce Young. Seattle at five going Will Levis. So those are the two quarterbacks that go after the Cardinals. Would somebody want to get ahead of Seattle and Indy, make a trade with Arizona, they get Bryce Young or Will Levis instead of Indianapolis and Seattle, but then that would take Arizona out of position to get one of those two dominant defensive players. Yeah, Kuyper points out in the very first paragraph of the mock that he's not going to project any trades on this one. He's just kind of going straight. What he's hearing, you know, big board ranking combined with what he's hearing with what team executives like. So he specifically avoided projecting any trades. I, I think we can all reasonably expect there will be a trade ahead of the Cardinals at three. I, I don't think it's a, a for sure 100% thing, but as is kind of our, our you know, our, the words that we use here on Burns and Gambo, if I'm making a bet on somebody moving ahead of the Cardinals to either one or two, probably one, Gambo, that's a mortgage payment bet for me. I think somebody's moving up to number one to take a quarterback. I think that's going to happen. Kuiper doesn't project that here. Kuiper's going straight draft, so he's got the Cardinals basically choosing the second best of these impact defensive players that are available. I, I you know, you mentioned the quarterbacks. I'm fascinated he's got CJ Stroud ahead of Bryce Young. Uh, like that that to me is one of those, oh really? You know, CJ because Bryce Young has just been long presumed to be the first quarterback off the board and he probably, maybe, still will be. But just to see some evaluation in which he's not the first quarterback off the board, that to me is really interesting moving forward and something to keep an eye on. I, I'm not totally blown away by that. And I you know, I, I told you after the game against Georgia when CJ Stroud was freaking amazing. He threw four touchdown passes in that game. He was so good against Georgia that I kind of looked at that and I said, wow, okay, he... You know, he's helped himself a lot. And I, and I said to you at that time, I think he really just helped the Cardinals out a whole bunch because he played so well. But he's got good size. He's had a good year. I mean, I'm not surprised at, at that at all, that, that he would jump ahead of those guys. Now, as you know, I mean, there's, there's three guys in there. Well, and, and everybody, right, to each his own. Somebody may like, you know, might like CJ better. Somebody may, may like Levis better. I, I don't know how it's going to play out. The combine and all of that stuff will play a factor. But I do know this. Three quarter backs are going very, very early in this NFL draft. 
Yeah, and that would seem to be a recipe for moving down, depending on how far the Cardinals want to fall. One other thing about Bryce Young I'll just mention, and then we'll kind of talk about some of those scenarios in a second. I did read an evaluation of him about a month ago or so, in which they suggested that kind of one of the problems with Bryce Young is that for being a relatively smaller guy, not like Kyler Small, obviously, but relatively smaller, he's not that fast. He's not like a burner out there, you know, and, and that might be something that potentially works against him in a situation like this is that he doesn't have kind of the wheels that you would want for a quarterback who doesn't maybe have the size or the stature. I, I think the big question for the Cardinals, I think someone's going to move up to number one and take a quarterback. I think Houston's going to go with another quarterback at number two. I think the question then for the Cardinals, is there a third quarterback, be it Will Levis or whomever, that is so coveted that a team feels like they have to get up to number three to get him? And if that's the case, how far are the Cardinals willing to drop? Because by dropping out of three, you know, if they go past, like, let's say somebody moves up to three and takes a quarterback, you can fall as far as five to get one of those two defensive studs. Beyond five, you're not going to get one. No. Do you want to fall that far? Depends on how many picks. That far? Depends on how many picks you get. But ideally, no. You'd like to put yourself in line to get, and then maybe get the best offensive lineman or the best cornerback. I mean, you've got other needs outside of just defensive line. I mean, you do have needs on the offensive line. You do have needs at cornerback. Now, you don't want to fall too far to where you're getting the third best player out of position. So, I do think that there is a number where you're where you where, where you probably where Monty Austin Ford's going to be. I probably don't want to go any below this because I want to put myself in a position to get the best, say you want to get the best offensive lineman. How far down can you go and still get one of the best players at a position of need instead of, you know, going getting a second or third best player at a position of need? Yeah, and that's and that's a great question. I, and, I, and you have to weigh that question versus the impact you think that, that Jalen or Will Anderson can have and, and, and the need to stay there. I mean, perfect world, you make a trade down to four or five, you watch quarterbacks go one, two, three, you still get one of those studs at four or five and additional inventory. Now that is a that is a Kool-Aid driven dream scenario. That's probably not going to happen. But dream is free, right? And so you think about that. But to answer your question, I would guess that you couldn't fall any further than seven or eight without being yeah. legitimately concerned that you're not going to get the top offensive lineman. And the good news is, man, and you pointed this out in the email earlier, there are so many teams out there that need a quarterback, and they're all kind of sitting right where you would want to be if you're the Cardinals to get an offensive lineman in this draft. If you Yeah, and, and this is some of the list. They said, you know, here's the teams, the five most likely teams that are going to take a quarterback. The Texans, the Panthers, the Colts, the Falcons, and the Seahawks. There are other teams to consider as well, and they point out, could the Lions, the Titans, the Commanders, the Buccaneers do that. But, you know, maybe. I mean, they may be. So there's a lot of teams that are going to look at that. So I think when you you start to look at the draft, that's one of the things that you, you start to focus on is some of those other teams are like, okay, well, you know, where can I fall in this draft and still be in the top 10 and get a quarterback? Well, Detroit's at six. The Raiders are at seven. The Falcons are at eight. The Panthers are at nine. Yeah. Like, Okay, you know, if the, if any of those teams want to move up, I'm real comfortable making a trade with them. Now, once you start talking about, like, the Titans at 11, or you start to go a little bit further down, the Commanders at 16, I'm probably the Bucks at 19. I'm probably not comfortable going down that far, because I think that the quality of player you get is going to be a lot less. 
when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Wednesday afternoon. It's our weekly visit with James Jones, the NBA trade deadline, two weeks away, two weeks from tomorrow. There's an ownership change on the horizon. Is there increased pressure on the president of basketball ops, James Jones? That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Scheduled to have James Jones on the show in this segment. I imagine we'll hear from him any minute. He's usually quite punctual when it comes to his weekly appearance with us, the president of basketball operations of the Suns, who have won four straight games, and, of course, the general manager of the Suns, James Jones. Uh, We are expecting to hear from him any moment here on Burns and Gambo. In the meantime, Gambo, we can riff for a couple of minutes about last night's win. Fully expected, much needed, four games in a row now for the Phoenix Suns, and this is exactly the kind of sign I think that we needed to see from this team to give us hope that when they do get Devin Book back, when they get DeAndre Eaton back, and that's probably going to happen on Thursday, that they've got a little bit of a run left in them, and, and maybe their fate hasn't been quite decided just yet. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, with all the players that they've got coming back, and you know, you've seen it. You saw Chris Paul come back and play an absolutely you know brilliant game in an unbelievable first quarter. You saw Cam Johnson you know, last night just absolutely on fire. Six for six from the field in the first quarter, hit all four of his three-pointers. These are difference makers. These are guys that can you know, make a difference between you winning and losing a basketball game. They're terrific players. So getting them back is huge and more guys to come. And then we'll see what the Suns are really made of at that time. Yeah, uh, and and when they start to get Devin Booker, if you missed the news today, the Phoenix Suns announced that he'll be reevaluated in another week or so. Today was supposed to be the day that he was going to be reevaluated. They decided to kick it back one more week out of, I'm sure, an abundance of caution. When he does come back, I'm sure they're going to be very, very cautious with him, just as they've been very cautious with Cam Johnson. Remember, he played, then took a night off. He's clearly on a minutes restriction. But I do, I, I given that it's been so long, since they've been whole. In my mind, I keep thinking to myself, when they are whole again, number one, how long does it last, right? And hopefully it lasts for the rest of the season and the playoffs. And then number two, how how much time does it take them to adjust to their new normal? You know, when, when Dario, you know, right now he's getting 20 minutes a game. What happens when he's not? Uh, what? Ha- and I'm not saying they're not going to be a better basketball team, but they've had to rely on those end-of-the-bench guys for so long. It'll be undoubtedly an adjustment to see how different things look when they get those guys back, yeah, when they but get I their think, regular guys back. I, I think what all role players prepare to, you know, for that moment when somebody's out and I've got to play 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes a game, and you know, then they, then they, you know, when those players come back, the starters come back, they go back to you know being guys that might play eight minutes a game or ten or twelve, depending on the flow of the game. So, I mean, that's what you prepare for. I mean, that's what you know Dario Saric and um, that's what Bismack Biyombo and Jacques Landell and Josh. Koji, those guys have taken advantage of opportunities that have been given to them. And I think that's what you prepare for. You know that, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm not here just to play eight to 12 minutes every single game. I'm also here in case one, you know, a guy in front of me goes down. I got to step it up and I got to play 20, 20, 25 minutes. And that's what, you know, you really like about what James Jones has done in putting a team together is he's, he's found guys that are, you know, very, very good and guys that, yeah, you can't go off on the street and find a player that's better than these guys right now. No, you can't. Something else I'm going to bring up, and I, I, I expect now we're probably going to end up punting on James until the next segment when we can track him down. But something I know we were going to talk about in the next segment was the story today on the Athletic website. And I, I don't 
I don't know exactly what to make of this, and I'm curious what you make of this, given your role as kind of a, an insider. In fact, not kind of an insider, but an insider when it comes to this. There's a report on the Athletic website that Bob Myers, who is kind of the architect of the Golden State Warriors, might be available. Um, he's As the clock ticks and extension talks remain flat, many around Myers are wondering whether and even predicting that his days with the Warriors are about to run out. Um, he's maybe the second most powerful guy basketball-wise in the organization. These writers from The Athletic got together and they listed several kind of landing spots for him potentially. I was very surprised that the Phoenix Suns were mentioned as a landing spot. Have you heard anything about this? Uh, you know, I haven't yet because obviously with new ownership coming in and new management, I'm hoping to have more clarification later this week from me on those situations with stuff that I'm working at on behind the scenes. But, you know, what I do know is that, you know, this, you know, a lot of times when this stuff happens, you, you've got a guy that's, you know, just trying to get a better contract with where he's at. And, and that's golden state. And all of a sudden these contracts get leaked. And then somebody does a story about how great it would be and how tough it would be to lose this guy. And so I'm not sold that he's you know leaving anytime soon. Uh, to be honest with you, this could be just one of those things where you just try to create some noise about you. Now, if he does become available um, because his contract situation is unbearable for them, they decide to move on, then, you know, I mean, the, is there a connection with Matt Ishbia? Uh, do they do they go after a guy like this? I mean, obviously, he's had success. He knows what he's doing. Um, but at this point, I just don't know. I, I do think it's probably a little bit about trying to make sure that he gets his contract situation squared away there before it is him leaving. Yeah, it writes, uh, in his 12th season as the head of Warriors basketball operations, he's the second most influential voice in that room, full of organizational power brokers, but his contract runs out in July. They go on to mention that he's especially tight with Steph Curry, and that he is the executive with whom Curry is the closest. When you scroll down the story, you'll see that the teams that are specifically mentioned are Washington, New York, and Phoenix are all worth monitoring as possibilities. And I think the first thing I thought of when I saw this story, my first, my mind immediately went to, like yours, kind of Ishbia. And James Jones has obviously done a tremendous job. You know, 64 wins last season in the NBA Finals the year before that. There's no reason on the surface to think that anything basketball-wise should change. And that if anything, that a new owner might kind of reinvigorate things with the Suns and might open up some doors that maybe weren't quite as wide open as as they were in the past under Robert Sarver. If they are not organizationally aligned, if Matt Ishby's idea of how to run a front office is different than James Jones's version, does that lead to a potential change? I mean, I, I hope not. I really hope not. Because I think James and Monty, there's good synergy, and I don't want to lose that there. But anytime a new owner comes in, you can, you can expect changes from top to bottom. I would think basketball ops would be immune from that, but I can't sit here, Gambo, and say I know for sure that basketball ops would be immune to that. I can't 
say that for sure. No, I, I would think more than anything, he comes in and he changes a lot of the, the day-to-day business, hires the people that he knows and trusts, and gives, you know, and, and works with James and Monty as support. Okay, he, I'm here to support you. What do you need? What do you guys need? What can what can make this organization better? What can, what can help change the culture even better? They've got the best practice facility. So many things matter to players, and as Matt, Matt Ashby, one of the things that he can do is just make sure that the Suns are the best at what they do, whether it's having the right you know rooms for the for the families to go to before a game or after a game, or making sure that everything's taken care of if people want to go on road trips. To you know, all of that stuff matters. The food that they have for breakfast or lunch, like every little what, what can I do to support you? What do you guys need? And a lot of time, it really is making sure that the players and their families are comfortable and taken care of. And sometimes you got to go above and beyond to do that. Travel could be one of the things right there. Let's 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 revisit our travel, the hotels we say. All of that stuff could be something that he comes in and just supports the front office. I don't think he comes in and says, well, here's what I want. I really don't think that Devin Booker should be playing shooting guard. I think he should play point guard. I know because I want a championship for Tom Izzo. Like, that's not going to happen. He's yeah. going to support and eventually, like, he'll, he'll have a budget. Like, hey, you know, how much are we willing to go over the luxury tax? Now, I reported in the offseason that Robert Sarver was willing to go 50, 60, 70 million dollars over the tax to get Kevin Durant. He was willing to do that. How far is Matt Ishbia willing to go over the luxury tax? So I think it's a budget thing more than anything that James Jones will find out about. Okay, what's my budget? You know, where can I go to? Okay. Or if you're willing to pay that type of luxury tax, well, there's a lot more things that I could do. I think that's the clarity you'll get. You can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when it comes to all of this. We did do a little do-si-do behind the scenes, and we have rescheduled James Jones, and he'll be joining us next. Suns President of Basketball Ops and GM James Jones will join us to talk about the four-game win streak, the impending trade deadline, the transfer of ownership. All of that is coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. And that key decision maker this week, as it is with most weeks, is the president of basketball operations and general manager of the Phoenix Suns, James Jones, is stopping by for his weekly visit here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Good afternoon, James. Happy Wednesday to you. As always, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. No, man. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, congratulations. This four-game winning streak, we've seen a lot of great basketball. Josh Okoji on Saturday night was phenomenal. Cam Johnson last night in that first quarter. you got to be really happy with the way the team is playing during this winning streak. I mean, yeah, we've, we've, been, we've been winning games and, and playing better basketball. And, and I think um, you're starting to see uh, some growth from, from, from some of our guys who've been thrust into advanced roles. Um, you know, Josh the other night, Cam Johnson, you know, his performance, you know, Jock and Biz last night as well as Dario. Um, you know, the, our, our rotation guys, our back rotation guys have been giving us big moments and big minutes. And, and as we get healthier, it just gives us confidence knowing that uh, we're, we're through one of the toughest stretches of our season. And we just need to continue to push towards the All-Star break where we can kind of reset and get whole. Yeah, no doubt. And I want to ask you about a lot of those guys, but the, one of the big stories this past week was was Matt Ishbia, the the future owner of the Suns, being in the building. And, and word to, came out today that the purchase should be official by the trade deadline. I imagine that's probably good news for you. Do you expect to have some clarity on what you can and can't do once he takes over? 
Um, I expect so. I mean, I think it'll be be final um, until that point in time. Um, we'll continue to try to figure that part out, but definitely looking forward to it. You know, my conversations with Matt um, have been fleeting, um, but overall, I know that he's excited about being a part of this and, and, and pushing us in another direction. So uh, I'm excited. I know our fan base and players can't wait for that day. What is the what? What have the conversations between you? Have Have you gone over budgets and trade deadlines? And can you exceed the cap as uh, draft picks? Can you tra- have you gone over any of that stuff yet with him? None of those conversations. Our conversations have been just more macro level. Um, what we want the Suns to continue to stand for and be, and uh, you know, just continue to to, to do the job, uh, focusing on trying to win a title. For Suns fans out there, and I would certainly count myself among those, I, I kind of look at the idea that he's going to take over before the trade deadline as a sign that he wants to be involved in the trade deadline, that he wants to make sure he's there to approve anything and to, to get anything through that needs to, Am I right in making that assumption that that's kind of in part what's driving this, James? No, I mean, I think uh, that's just beneficial for us. I mean, I think everyone involved will want that to be finalized by then, but it's the process that the NBA uh, oversees. But, yeah, I think um, if I were buying a team, especially a team like this, and and given where we are, I'd I'd be excited about being on board before the trade deadline. What James what, Jones, our guest. Oh, go ahead, Gamble. Go sorry ahead, sorry about that, Burns. We're working in different locations, James, today. I'm or, working from home, James. Yeah. Hi, how you doing? I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the house. Don't you do so. it all the time, Gamble? Aren't you always working from home? So, like, there are some times that I, I have to work from home. Just two or three days, two, like two to three days a, a month. It's just two it's, or three days my, a month. It's my turn, James. I'm working from home this time I'm around. This, so, I'm in yeah. the studio. I was going to yeah. say, what do you what do you need? I mean, I because I, I was talking about just support. Like what you and Monty need more than anything is support. He may change other parts of the front office and the day to day business operations and things like that. But for you, I just think it's support. Support with what 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 could what what do the players need? And just go over everything from meals and training and you know I, I think that's a big part of what he can assist you and Monty with is just supporting where you guys are going with this team. No, supporting direction. You know, I, it's not lost on me that, you know, the the Suns, we, you know, we're an entity. You know, it's the Suns, the Mercury. You know, it's the, the entire operation. Um, so strategic direction, um, it helps. Uh, but I know he's committed to doing that uh, in a big way. And so I'm excited for that to actually come to fruition. Do you expect to have more fine-tuned, detailed conversations with him before he takes over, or do you do you have to wait until he takes over before you have those fine-tuned, detailed conversations? Um, when when it's final, we'll have have those types of conversations. Like I said before, up until this point, it's just really been um, kind of top level, high level, uh, macro vision. Uh, but we'll get into the details at some point soon. All right, let's 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 talk about this team a little bit. You mentioned it earlier. The performance by Dar- Dario Saric last night was was sensational. Bismack Biombo with the five block shots. Jacques Landell. You guys have played extremely well with DeAndre Ayton out of the lineup. You've got some versatile players that could do some different things. You know, Biz is a shot blocker, and Dario could play four, a small ball five, and Landell can knock down shots from the outside. You got to be happy with what you're getting out of your big men right now with DeAndre out. Yeah, we we are. I mean, that's that's a credit to to the entire group. But that room, uh, those players, the the bigs, they've been been phenomenal for us, and they they fill in for each other. You know, they complement each other and they support and stand in for each other when they need it. Uh, so it's it's great to have them continue to expand and improve 
um, while we don't have D.A., and, and I just think it makes us so much more dangerous when we get all those guys clicking at one time. Well, James Jones, president of basketball operations, general manager of the Suns, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You talked about the, the, the growth that you've seen from some of the players. There's also, i got to imagine, like a baked-in excitement with getting a Cam Johnson back or getting a Chris Ball back. How much of a, of a baked-in excitement level is there when, you, when they see those guys joining them on the floor with them night after night? Um, it, just, it gives you confidence, um, but more importantly, it just makes you feel whole. Uh, those guys are, are vitally and critically important to what we do. You know, there's there's no substitute for Chris. You know, as, as well as our guys that have played um, standing in for him, um, he's one of the greatest for a reason. And Cam Johnson, uh, likewise, you know, he's he's unique to us uh, and what he brings and what he allows us to do and 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 how he allows us to play makes us dynamic and, and, and dangerous. And so it's been it's been good to see our guys, especially the reserves who who stepped up to see how they can complement those guys and make their games easier. I want to ask you about players, but uh, we do know eventually a Jay Crowder trade is going to happen with the deadline fast approaching. But I will ask you, when you look at your roster right now, what do you think you need? Do you need another scorer? Do you need another long wing player? Do you feel you need some bulk up front? If I asked you, hey, what do the Phoenix Suns need for this stretch run? What would you say? Um, All of those things. Right, you can never have enough. Um, you're, you're always thinking about how you can improve uh, your team uh, externally and internally. But you know, we can you know we, we can use more scoring, you know, more length, more defense. So none of those situ- none of those uh, positions or, or, or characteristics or things that we don't feel we have enough of. Uh, so I'll, I'll say what I typically say, which is like we'll look to improve the team and try to find you know something or, or someone that allows us to, to be better and, and, and hopefully we get that done uh, soon. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, president of Basketball Ops, general manager of the Suns. Uh, Devin Booker, it was announced today by the organization, one more week before he's going to get reevaluated. I, I know there's always a level of cautiousness, especially when talking about your franchise player. Is is everything pacing for Devin Booker in one week from now? With that reevaluation, is there any kind of setback, or is everything on schedule from your guys' perspective? No, he's been progressing well. Um, on schedule, I'd say slightly ahead, um, and he's in a good space. You know, he's he's been more active. He's been on the court. Um, he's, he's been a, a part of our non-contact stuff. So it's just a part of his, uh, you know, his his progress progression towards returning to play. And so in a week, we'll have an update on where he is. Uh, but right now, we like where he is and where he's trending. All right. Congrats on the four-game win streak. Uh, it's fun asking you about that. Uh, good luck this upcoming week. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, James. Thank you, as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us on the Arizona Sports Line Suns and the Mavs tomorrow, 8 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we will react somewhat to what James Jones had to say to us regarding the big shift on the horizon. That headlines the top stories of the day next on the Burns and Gambo show.